When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, Birdland. I'm Mark Brown. I've been blogging about the Orioles for more than a decade on CamdenChat.com and waiting for them to win the World Series for my whole life. Thanks for listening today. Let's talk some Orioles. It is June the 16th, 2023. The Orioles are 43-25 and on the season after finishing off their home series against the Toronto Blue Jays with a 4-2 victory. And by the way, last year, the Orioles, when they won their 43rd game, they were 43 and 44. And two years ago, when they won their 43rd game, they were 43 and 92. So things are improving around here. They are improving rapidly relatively to the last couple of years uh, through this much of the season. Pretty cool to see. Thursday afternoon's game featured Tyler Wells going six and two-thirds innings, allowing only two runs, both on home runs, to Blue Jays catcher Danny Jansen. Pretty annoying, really, but Wells struck out eight guys. He's got a 3.20 ERA for the season. He's got a 0.86 whip after 14 games pitched. He leads all qualified starting pitchers in whip, and there are only four other pitchers and four other qualified starting pitchers who are below a one whip for the season. Pretty good stuff. One problem, of course, he gave up the two home runs on Thursday. He's given up 18 home runs on the season. That is a bit of a problem for Wells, but most of those home runs have been solo shots, and most of the rest have been two-run homers. So I guess at least there's that. Yenier Cano pitched after Wells in the Thursday game. He scattered three hits in one walk over one inning that was fortunately across parts of two innings, didn't allow any runs, and then Felix Bautista pitched the final one and one-third innings, struck out two of the four batters he faced. So once again, Bautista, despite striking out two batters, his, uh, his K per nine rate of 18.6 would go down a little bit. And he has struck out 66 batters out of the 130 batters that he has faced so far this season. And here is a fact I saw on Twitter from pitcher lists Alex Fast. Felix Bautista has more strikeouts than any starting pitcher from four different teams. That is the Guardians, Rockies, Royals, and Athletics. So those are starters, mind you, who are going to be facing way more batters than Bautista, and he's got more strikeouts than any of those guys. Pretty cool, pretty fun. The Orioles picking up the win closed out a short homestand of six games with a 5-1 and one record. It gives them now five straight series wins against AL East teams, and during that stretch of time, they have won a series against every other AL East team. They are now 9-6 and six through 15 games of what I'm calling the 18-game not-gauntlet. Only the weekend's Cubs series remains there. The Orioles are on a 102-win pace for the season. They're four and a half games ahead of the New York Yankees, six games ahead of the Toronto Blue Jays, and five games back of the Tampa Bay Rays, who did beat the Oakland Athletics on Thursday. So the Orioles, despite winning, naturally gained no ground. 
And by the way, the Yankees, in nine games since Aaron Judge got hurt, have scored three or fewer runs in six of those nine games. So that's a team that has some problems lately. And you know me, I'm certainly hoping that they are not able to fix them. Okay, so you know what? Let's talk some possible Orioles All-Stars. And this was inspired by when I got home from Thursday's game, I saw a tweet from the Baltimore Sun's Nathan Ruiz, who noted that the star performers in Thursday's game included the five players who right now probably have something of a case to be All-Stars. And in the Thursday game, that would be Adley Rutschman, who had three hits, including a home run. Austin Hayes, who had two hits, including a home run. The game was started by Tyler Wells, and the two relief pitchers who pitched were Yenier Cano and Felix Bautista. So I agree that those are pretty much the active guys with all-star cases. You could maybe also throw in Cedric Mullins if he's able to return from injury in time to garner some more support for uh, being an all-star player. So voting is open. We've had one uh, week of results released, and that Uh, First update had Adley Rutschman as the leading vote-getter for catcher in the American League, so that's pretty cool. Hopefully, he will be able to go from that to being named as a starter in the All-Star game. He leads the second-place former Orioles prospect Jonah Heim by about 140,000 votes, so hopefully that's enough of a cushion to last. Unfortunately, he's pretty much the only Orioles position player with any chance of getting in a starting spot or even close to it. Austin Hayes is in 18th place of outfielders, about 460,000 votes below the third place uh, outfielder. So is there any chance of him making it as a reserve? Well, last year, there were eight outfielders who ended up being named AL All-Stars, although two of these did not play. So some of that was guys who were injured, and then there were replacements where they were dipping down farther into the ranks. No guarantee that that will happen this year. Although among the top three current starters of AL outfielder vote getters are Aaron Judge and Jordan Alvarez, both of whom are currently injured. And Alvarez, it seems like is a certainty to not be back in the next month and Judge, things are kind of vague. Maybe he won't be. So, okay. Is Austin Hayes a possibility as a reserve? Well, he entered Thursday's games 17th in Fangraph's wins above replacement among American League outfielders with 1.4 war. And to get into the top eight, currently you would need a 2.0. So that is possible if Hayes has a hot streak over the next uh, two to maybe three weeks. The game this year is on July 11th, so it's less than a month away. I figure you've maybe got two more weeks-ish to impress and be named as a starter Uh, or the initial rosters, I should say, and then maybe three to be a late replacement for someone who is an injured player, or maybe if uh, for pitchers you would have, it is now the case that pitchers who are scheduled to start the Sunday before the All-Star game continue to be considered All-Stars, but they will not pitch in the game, and they uh, they have replacements named for them on the roster who might pitch in the game. So that's... uh, I guess could could boost the totals. But anyway, so Hayes, although he's 17th, uh, 18th in the voting, I think with a hot streak, he could maybe play himself into one of the top eight outfielders by then. Um, Cedric Mullins is ninth in FWAR and 20th in voting. 
So again, I mean, if he comes back from injury, which at this point, it looks unlikely it's going to happen since he hasn't, although he started baseball activities back up in Sarasota, he hasn't done any rehab game playing. So I think probably that rules him out. So as far as pitchers, last year, there were nine American League starting pitchers on the roster. Two of these were guys who did not pitch due to that Sunday before the All-Star Game rule. There were six American League relief pitcher All-Stars, and two of these guys were replacements for the starting pitchers who did not pitch. So currently, the ninth place American League starting pitcher, this was heading into Thursday's games, has a 2.0 baseball reference war. And Tyler Wells entered Thursday with 1.9 baseball reference war. So I think that although the the numbers will be crunched for Thursday's games after I record this podcast, I think there's a pretty good chance Wells will pitch himself into the top nine with the Thursday results. Uh, I think his case would be okay. He's the whip leader, walks, hits, plus innings pitched. That's pretty, that's a good feather to have in your cap. He does not have a gaudy win total. He's only got six wins. He is not in the top 10 for ERA. So those two things, I think, will work against him. But he is the best starting pitcher on a very good Orioles team. So that also will work in his favor. We'll see how that shakes out, I guess. Um, The pitchers, you know, they aren't voted on. So that'll just be, we'll see who gets named when the rosters are named. Yenier Cano in the relievers is a candidate. Uh, He leads all relief pitchers in baseball reference war with 2.2, although his performance is unfortunately tailing off lately, allowing the four base runners on Thursday. And not even counting that, he had an 855 OPS against in his last 28 days split before yesterday's game. And by the way, you may note I switched from Fangraph's war to baseball reference war in going from the Uh, outfielders to the pitchers. And the reason for that is I really don't like using Fangraph's wins above replacement for pitchers because that is a fielding independent pitching based metric, which is to me for pitchers, that's more talking, okay, what might've happened. And honestly, I prefer to look at what actually happened when you're talking about who is pitching the best. I think that looking at FIP-based metrics is important when considering, okay, what pitcher do you want to maybe sign in the offseason? What pitcher do you want to try and trade for? Because I do think that it's important to keep an eye on that. But as far as things like all-star games or Cy Young voting or whatever, I don't think that looking at FWAR is fair to the pitchers who are getting good results because what might have happened just doesn't matter to me. Okay, so that's my little rant. That's why I've switched. I don't like F-War for pitchers. So Felix Bautista, B-War. He's 1.4 B-War entering Thursday's games. He's just got a crazy 50% strikeout rate. It's it's just absurd. It's almost unbelievable. He's He's now got 18 saves after Thursday's game, which is tied for third among American League relief pitchers. So I think that makes him absolutely a decent candidate to be an all-star. If you are a bit of a grump, you maybe don't want these guys to make the all-star game because then they won't pitch and they won't uh, possibly hurt themselves or tire themselves out in any way in pitching in the all-star game whose results don't matter. That's fair if you want to get that uh, serious about it. I am a much more, um, well, when it comes to all-star 
I just think it's cool to have as many Orioles as possible, and I don't really want to worry about that other stuff. So I uh, I certainly think the Orioles are going to manage to get multiple All-Stars this year. I think right now it seems like Rutschman and Bautista look like the most likely. And you know what? Maybe Hayes or Wells or Cano, depending on how they do over the next two to three weeks, will find themselves in the picture too. That would be pretty darn cool. I hope that one or more of those guys can play well enough to practically force their way onto the American League All-Star roster. I will be right back after a message from a Fans First Sports Network sponsor. All right, so if you'd like to email me, you can email to camdencastpod at gmail.com. And if that's if you have an Orioles opinion, you've just got to get out there or a question you'd like to have me answer in a future episode Thank you very much to everyone who has written in so far. So let's look a little bit ahead to the Cubs series that's going to be this weekend. Uh, In fact, it's going to be three straight day games because things are weird there in the north side of Chicago. Maybe a mild concern in that the Orioles are quote-unquote only 16-12 and in day games so far this year. They are far better in night games, but they are holding their own in day games despite all of our concerns about punt lineups and whatever else comes along. Uh, for the series, the Orioles, it looks like they're going to miss Cub, the best Cubs starter, Marcus Stroman, who has a 2.42 ERA this year. He is pitching on Thursday. They're also not going to see lefty Justin Steele, who has a 2.65 ERA this year because he's been out with forearm tightness since the end of May. So, okay, who is listed for this series? Uh, they, they only have guys listed for two of the games. So Friday, Kyle Hendricks, now in his age 33 season, a 3.09 ERA in four starts, not a huge sample size there. He's facing off against Orioles starter Cole Irvin, who, of course, was not good in his first three starts, got himself banished to Norfolk. Hopefully will be able to do much better in his second stint with the Orioles. Saturday has no Cubs starter listed. That's the veteran Kyle Gibson facing off against TBA. And the Sunday game, a Peacock game, Hopefully it will find its way onto your local NBC affiliate in addition to Peacock, which is what happened the last time the Orioles were on Peacock. That's got Dean Kramer pitching for the Orioles. He needs some more solid starts with his 4.74 ERA. And the Cubs starter for that Sunday game currently listed is Jamison Tyone, who I mentioned on this show very recently. He was a guy I hoped the Orioles would sign this past offseason. Well, he's got a 6.70 ERA in 11 starts this year, so I sure hope that means the Orioles are going to be able to tee off on him as he has been no good so far this season. Of course, that is not ever guaranteed. The Orioles offense, though it has done very well, has had some bad games against some bad starters, so you know we'll see what happens over the course of this weekend series, but I sure hope that the Orioles can go there to Chicago face off against the, uh, the, before they play on Thursday, their record is 30 and 37. So that's a team the Orioles, I hope, can go in and win a series against. So before we wrap up, I'm going to cruise through the last three prospects. There's a three-way tie for number 30 on my composite top Orioles prospect list on CamdenChat.com. None of them, unfortunately, are prospects of huge consequence right now. So I'm just going to breeze through them all at once. Those three guys are right-handed pitcher Carter Baumler, right-handed reliever Cade Stroud, and outfielder Reed Trimble. So in order, uh, alphabetically anyway, by last name, Carter Baumler, 
He was the Orioles' fifth-round pick in the 2020 draft. They gave him an overslot bonus of $1.5 million out of an Iowa high school. And unfortunately for Baumler, he's had about as bad health luck as the Orioles' first-rounder that year, Heston Kerstad. The only difference for Baumler is it's much more traditional baseball injury problems. He had Tommy John surgery and missed the entirety of the 2021 season, then pitched four games last year, had shoulder inflammation, was shut down, and then had off-season surgery on that shoulder, and he has not pitched yet in 2023. So, you know, that that's not very encouraging. This uh, was still enough to have him as the number 25 Orioles prospect on the Fangrass prospect list, where they said about him, quote, Healthy Baumler features an effective vertical attack with his fastball, which has rising action and a deep curveball. He was a two-sports star in high school and is a fantastic athlete with a repeatable delivery who tends to keep the ball in the strike zone. Shoulder stuff is scary. When healthy, he looks every bit as good as his draft bonus would indicate. End quote. So Baumler, although he's only pitched four pro games, he's also still only 21 years old. So, I mean, he's got time to get back in there and actually start doing stuff. But, you know, it's been a long time since he's thrown any kind of serious stuff. So don't want to count on him for anything. Fortunately, although the Orioles rotation picture for the long run is kind of a mess. uh, Still, I don't think that they are absolutely counting on Baumler. So I guess we'll see. You know, he doesn't have to be added to the uh, 40-man roster to protect him from the Rule 5 draft until after next season, which is when you would need to add 2020 high school draftees. So, I mean, there's time before they've got to worry about that, but, you know, hopefully Baumler can actually get healthy and start pitching. Okay, so that brings us to reliever Cade Stroud. He was a 12th round pick by the Orioles in the 2019 draft, and he's already been Rule 5 draft eligible once. Nobody took him last year, and the Orioles assigned him to AA Bowie before the season, He has pitched there. He's got a 7.29 ERA, a 1.952 whip with 19 walks allowed in 21 innings. So I'm sorry, Cade Stroud. Uh, I don't know why anyone rated you highly enough to have you on this top 30 list at all. Uh, Maybe he can turn it around, but I don't have very high hopes there. Which brings us to Reed Trimble, the outfielder. He was a second-round pick by the Orioles in the 2021 draft. He was the next guy the Orioles drafted after Colton Kowser and Connor Norby. He, unfortunately, has only gotten to play in 71 pro games since being drafted, plus an additional 16 games in last year's Arizona Fall League. And the reason for that is because Trimble had labrum surgery on his non-throwing shoulder later in the year where he was drafted. So... Okay, he was the number 28 Orioles prospect on the Fangraphs list before this season, and they said about him, quote, In the AFL, Trimble looked like a hitter who had spent a year on the shelf. He swings so hard he's capable of putting balls out to all fields. Trimble is a plus runner with gap-to-gap range in center field and an above-average arm. He is a risky, high-variance prospect, end quote. Okay, so I mean, there's good stuff there, but there's all of those injury problems and stuff that has kept him off the field. So let's look at his 2023 numbers. Well, first off, it's bad because he's only played 16 games with Aberdeen and hurt himself, uh, had an uh, had an injury that has not been disclosed as far as I've been able to see publicly and has not played since April the 29th. So that's 
about six weeks on the shelf now where he has not played. That's not great for a guy who has spent so long on the shelf and needs to, you know, actually get out there and get some action. Okay, but was he any good in the 16 games before he got hurt? Well, unfortunately not. He had a 548 OPS for the season when he got hurt. So Reed Trimble not looking uh, too great as far as his prospect stock. Now, there's one bit of good news about that, which is that we've talked about seven Orioles outfield prospects before we got to Reed Trimble. So again, there is a case where the Orioles, when they drafted Trimble, were not absolutely counting on him being a future guy, and they're still not absolutely counting on him. So, you know, if he ever gets healthy enough and can either play himself into some kind of picture, or if he can uh, play himself into where somebody would accept him as like the third or the fourth guy in a trade or whatever, I think that would be probably the best outcome for the Orioles with him. Not really worth thinking, okay, can he make it to Baltimore? He just, you know, he doesn't have the pro reps. He doesn't have much of anything going for him, unfortunately. So I, uh, I, I thought he was a fun prospect when the Orioles drafted him. There were interesting things written about him, but some guys just, they don't, they don't have the injury luck uh, on their side, and that's just the way it's been for Reed Trimble. So that's the bottom of the, the 30. They were all tied for 30th. That's the bottom of the list that I put together. So next week I'm going to run through a few guys who I think have boosted their stock a little bit, will maybe find their way onto midseason rankings who were not on preseason rankings because they just hadn't done enough to... Um, convince the scouting industrial complex, as I like to call it, that they belong even near the bottom of like a top 30 Orioles prospect list. And after that, I think I'm going to move on to maybe some Orioles draft candidates. Uh, and then, then we'll see where we go from there with the prospect of the episode segment. So that's all I've got for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite platform and leave a rating or review and tell an Orioles fan in your life about the show. New episodes will be released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, so I will be back with you on Monday morning, hopefully with a fun weekend series against the Chicago Cubs to talk about. In between now and then, you can leave a comment on CamdenChat.com. If you want to find me in the comments there, my name is EatMoreSK. You can also tweet at me at CamdenChat on Twitter. Good Morning Birdland is a Camden Cast production on the Fans First Sports Network. Until next time, go O's.